Fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Forget him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Well, fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? Or do you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Listen no more, dear friends. Listen no more. Podcasts were deceivers ever. One ear in pop, one in lore. To one genre constant never. Then listen not so, but let them go. And be you bright and cheery, converting all your sounds of woe into, hey, 30-something nonny. Seek no more shows, seek no more, or hosts so dull and dreary. Visit 30podcast.com, explore, since podcast, since broadcasting first was teary. Then seek not so, but let them go, and be you glad and merry. In the spoiler-filled show, shout, hey, 30-something nonny. Uh, Pat? John. How you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, though it not be written down, forget not. I am an ass. I will never be quoted <laughs> saying that. Tell me, are you good men and true? Yes. <sighs> I can't. I'm not. I can't. John, I can't go nose to nose. I can't hang with you on the show. No, no I wish I could. There's a lot. I, of, there's a lot of useless. Now, I took college classes where the entire final was 100 quotes a hundred like one liners or, or short quotes from different Shakespeare plays. And we had to identify for each quote, we had to identify which play, what character said it, who they were talking to, uh, where it was located in the play and the context of what was going on at the time. There's so a lot of useless information out. sticking up in my head. Hey, you know what? I'm just, I don't, you know, not useless, not useless. No, but I mean, in, in any kind of like marketable way. Well, you know, I don't know, man. I, I get the same thing with like music stuff and all that. You know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah, but, I, but I see, you can, you can go somewhere. Makeup. Yeah, but you see, you could go somewhere and you could play the trumpet. Like you could go down in the subway and you could play the trumpet and you could probably make a few dollars. I would imagine if yeah. I went down in the subway and started reciting Mark Anthony's speech from Julius Caesar, they might, well, they might pay me to go away. They, you know what? I don't know, man. I think, I don't know. I think I'm just saying, don't be too hard on yourself. I think there's a place for it. I think there's a place for it. I care. Oh, well, well, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, well, if you haven't figured it out already, uh, this is episode number 473, Much Ado About Nothing, uh, the Kenneth Branagh Shakespeare masterpiece, Much Ado About Nothing, with a star-studded cast. Um, there's going to be a lot of Hey Nani Nani in this episode. I'm just going to warn you right now. Uh, is have, that where that line originally came? See, you know what, John? This is going to work out good because you are going to be the duly noted, duly designated expert on Shakespeare, oh and I'm going to function 
You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, this is almost like commentator and color commentator. Like I'm going to ask those questions that like anybody listening is going to be hitting their head against the wall. Cause they're like, really, you don't know that. And in reality, I don't know that, but this is going to function well. Cause this is going to help inform our viewers sure. about Shakespeare. You know I, what I'm saying? I, in, in no way will I even pretend to be an expert, but I'll answer questions. And, hey, you know what? If, even if I don't answer, even if I answer your questions, I could totally yeah. make it up. You know what? And none of us would be the wiser. Yeah. Now, hey, Nani, is that obviously from this show? But I, I feel like I've heard that somewhere before. Or maybe I'm just messing that up. But this is only uniquely just to this Shakespeare play, right? It's no, it's not unique to this Shakespeare play there. I would say it shows up in a lot of other, um, oh, kind of songs and poetry of the time, um, like Elizabethan times. I, okay. I think, I think it shows up from time to time in other works, not just Shakespeare. Um, but yeah, it, it's in this one and it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's a little phrase that just means like, you know, kind of just enjoy life. Like, you know, don't, okay. don't, don't be too serious about things and, you know, just be super chill and, and be happy. Like it's a little bit like a, don't worry, be happy kind of a deal. Gotcha. By saying, Hey, nani, nani. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To turn all of your, turn all of your, uh, sounds of woe into, Hey, nani, nani. Gotcha. So. All right, man. I'm down with that. Yeah. Um, but yes, much do about nothing is our episode this time around. And, um, I think we can just go ahead and jump into, uh, we do have, since this, this is the first week of our month and this is our month of from page to screen. So all the episodes this month are related to something that started as a, a book, a play, something literary and was transformed and adapted into a movie here in 1993, the year that we're working through. Uh, so this mm -hmm. is our first week of the month. Um, and I guess before I jump into this part, I, I do have a confession to make, Pat. What is it, John? And, and when I confess this, I'm also going to confess that I'm about a month earlier or so than I usually am with this. Okay. Pat, the year was 2023. Uh, the day okay. was like three or four days ago. And okay. uh, it was just kind of, I don't know, I was, I was a little restless. I couldn't get to sleep. So I, you know, was up until like one or two o'clock in the morning. And, and as you do, when you're not able to sleep and up until one or right. two o'clock in the morning, um, you start to recategorize your entire comic book collection while also uh -oh. watching reruns of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And oh at the same time, once you've finished doing some of that stuff, you start to go Google Movies of 1994. Oh, Pat, I've, I've already started the list. I normally oh. I don't start the list until like late June. I've, oh, I've already got a list. I've already, I've already got a list started for next year that I'm going to share with you guys fairly soon, oh. so you can you can vote on which ones. I can't wait. This is one of Bo's like favorite times. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like Bo gets fired up for the list. I get fired up for the list, but I I feel like. It's Why am I time. bringing up Bo? Because, you know, like, I feel like he should be here. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. If we, if, 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 if we were going to unveil it, but you're not. Oh, I'm not. No, I'm not unveiling the list. No. But here's what I'm excited about. The list. The list. The list is coming. Wow. The, the list is oh, almost man. here. It's kind of like, it's kind of like winter in uh, the Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. list is coming. John, what is some of the things like in 94? What, can you give us a few little tasties? 
of like, oh, did you know that? Did you remember this was a 94 movie? Did you, you know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll give you a little taste here. Um, do you recall a small movie called Ace Ventura Pet Detective? Oh, no. That was, oh my gosh. That one's coming. Uh, do you recall another little movie called Naked Gun 33 and a Third? Naked Gun 33 and a Third. Yep. Uh, D, yep. D2 of the Mighty Ducks. Uh, okay. There we go. Uh, let's see. What else have we got? We've got. Um, Oh, I, one of my favorites from 94, The Crow. Oh, The Crow. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Uh, you got the Flintstones. You got City Slickers 2. Um, you've got, as you get closer into the summertime, you get the really big ones. Speed. Okay. Lion King. Um, Wyatt Earp. Oh, what else? Uh, Forrest Gump is 94. True Lies. Wow, there's, yeah, okay, so 94 is stacked. Uh, the Mask. Uh, ooh, Clear and Present Danger. That's, yes. Yeah, there was a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff. Oh, I, I, why, why I nearly forgot this one. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. It is, it's going to be a very good year. Another one of, another one of my, one of my other favorites, uh, Clerks was 94 clerks yep stargate stargate there you go um i don't know if anybody is as excited about this one but we get to do another star trek movie this one will we'll be doing star trek generations oh generations yeah. i like generations yeah i know some people are not as excited about it but i like it yeah well i, even, I even rewatched it uh, not that long ago and it, it was it was actually okay yeah definitely not my favorite but it was okay yeah, I you know, it's for me more Star Trek, more better, more sure. funner. I have the Paramount thing going right now, but none of the movies oh. are on Paramount. Oh, did they take them all off? Well, I, unless I'm not looking in the right place, you know, unless oh, I'm digging they, in the wrong place. No, they might, I, they might have taken them off. Yeah, which it's kind of like, okay, well, I'll do my rewatching of the shows, but I kind of want to get my movies on. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of, as I've seen more and more people, um, yeah, as I've seen more and more people kind of complain about some of the stuff that's happened recently, um, and I don't know if it's related to the writer's strike, I don't know if it's just related to some different, um, you know, issues with the licensing and whatnot, but like Disney Plus has removed a lot of stuff recently, um, Paramount Plus, um, actually I was looking it up and, and, uh, Oh, let's see. It was, um, did all, yes, I was looking it up real quick. Um, and this was back in, oh, was it October of this last year? Um, 10 of the Star Trek movies were removed from Paramount Plus. Well, that would have been it. Yeah. Huh. And they're not, as my understanding is, they may not be available to stream anywhere. Yeah. So they're like doing the Disney put it in the vault kind of stuff. What's up uh, with that? Possibly. I don't know. So I, but I see a lot of people getting kind of frustrated with some of this stuff and um, you know, so, I mean, here's what I don't mean to be like a ha 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 jokes on you all. Um, but I mean, this, this is part of the reason I, you're the only one that can see me right now. This is part of the reason I have a whole bunch of discs behind me. Yeah. Because if I, 
I feel bad for the like the the Willow TV show. Um, the first episode of that, we watched the first episode of that. It was okay. Um, I heard from some other people that they really didn't like it at all. It didn't have, you know, kind of the the feel and the flavor of of the original Willow movie. Um, first episode was all right, and but I think because it was only all right for us, we kind of went and watched other things. And I was like, oh, that's okay. When I've got some free time, I'll come back to it. Well, now it's gone from Disney Plus, and it's not one that they've released on disc. So now I don't have any way of watching it. So that's kind of a bummer, but at the same time, like when this stuff goes away, that's why I'm like, I will always, always buy something on disc. If I want to watch it, when yeah. I want to watch it, I mean, that's Netflix and Hulu and all those things are great as a consumer, as somebody who loves to watch a million things. But if I yeah. want to watch it, when I want to watch it, I'm definitely going to buy it on disc. You know, it's funny. I've gotten into that. Well, we've talked with music. Yeah. I'm very much like that. Now I know well, I, I know it's a little bit different, I, but I don't subscribe to any streaming thing, you know? In fact, it's funny, I, I just had the fortune of running into a very good friend that I used to work with uh, tonight, and she was always trying to get me onto the streaming thing. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then I'd say, it's just, I just, I don't know, I want to hold on. And th- to which point, because I, I always thought of her and I as close in age, and then she goes, yeah, my dad's the same way. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh-huh. Okay, so there we go. And then she calls me middle-aged and then we oh, laugh and right. anyways, um but I I think it's time for me to kind of go through my movies and just you know, first of all, I got to get a Blu-ray player. Yeah. I mean, there's my embarrassing thing. If you're going well, um, if, if you're going to do that at this point, do you have a do you have a 4K TV? No, probably not. I don't okay. Think so. All right. Well, cuz when I finally did upgrade my TV, like I and anticipate two years before I upgraded my TV, I had upgraded my Blu-ray player to a 4K Blu-ray player. And, okay. and I will okay. say it uh, like there are especially certain movies, not every movie, but certain movies now having the new TV, the 4K Blu-ray player and the 4K movies on disc like there is a there is a noticeable difference. And there's a noticeable difference watching it on like my Apple TV streaming box. There's a noticeable okay. difference sometimes with some movies between the quality of watching it on streaming, because I, I imagine they've got to compress the signal to, to get it all through, versus watching right. it on the actual 4K disc. Oh, wow. Like, okay. I have I have the 4K. I watched Man of Steel the other day. It was beautiful. Okay. I watched, um, I watched a little bit. I didn't have time to watch the whole thing. I put in uh, 1917. Oh. Oh. Man. Yeah. <laughs> The, the first time you've seen it or just you didn't have time to watch the whole thing? No, I just didn't have, I, it was not the first time. I've seen it three times. Okay. Now. Yeah. Okay. I actually okay. Think, I, I think I saw it twice in the theater, and then I watched it once with Sharon and John about a year ago. Okay. Yeah. And so this was just – I was just wanting to put in different discs. I was like, I need to see at least 10 minutes of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon on this new TV. Awesome. Yeah. So it does. It it does. It makes. I mean, I'm I'm always going to be a physical media guy. I do love the streaming, but at the same time, I'm like, you gotta, you gotta buy the discs if you want to watch it. Whenever you want to watch it, buy the discs, and you know, yeah. Okay. So, knowing mm-hmm. that I knowing that I own the discs, actually, sometimes what I will also do is I will. Um, you know, be, because I have my computer down here next to all my discs. Uh, sometimes what I will do is if I if I have a movie I want to take with me, 
um, then I will take the DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, whatever, um, and I will pull a copy of the video and I'll stick it on my phone. Um, so then okay. if I'm going on an airplane or something like that and it's one that I only have on disc back here and maybe it's not available to stream, then I'll I'll do that. I've got a couple of trips coming up this summer, so I'm sure I'm going to be okay. loading, loading some stuff onto my phone and uh, taking it with me. But, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Like having the new TV, having the you know the Blu-ray, 4K, all that other stuff. Uh, as soon as I buy all this, I know it's going to be outdated in like a year. But yeah, it still looks pretty. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, man. No, no kidding. Well, stuff to think about. Yeah, nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, kind of bringing it all back. Uh, the list is coming. So we will, uh, okay. I'm going to put that out to you guys so we can start doing some, some voting amongst us. Then it'll go out to our uh, Patreon co-executive producers. We'll get it next, probably a week or two after you guys get it. And then uh, after that, I will, maybe a, a couple weeks or, or two or three weeks after that, I'll send it out to the general public uh, to let them take a stab at it as well and, and give us some recommendations and suggestions. And then we will build it from there and we'll be all ready for next year. Exciting times. That's always an exciting time. It is always one of my favorite times of the year. It's the most wonderful time. Well, it's Pat, speaking of time, uh, this since John, this is the first week of the plus. month, uh, do, every time we have the first week of the month, we, we always tend to go back in time. Are you ready to slide in the DeLorean with me and go back in time? I'm born ready, John. Let's born ready. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour... You're gonna see some serious. All right. Um, I'm I'm going to I'm going to cue up a, a sound effect here. Um, Pat, this is our this month in '93, and we're in June of 1993, and uh, I have some news stories for you. The first one, we're going to start it off on an awkward note. Oh. Okay. Pat, I, I have a little story for you. This one happened on June 23rd of 1993. Are, are you ready for this? What is it? Pat, you may want to cross your legs for this one. Okay. I'm crossing my legs. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you know? Do you Have you heard? Do you know? Yeah, I've heard. Okay. Uh, Lorena Bobbitt mm-hmm. makes headlines when she cuts off her husband's <laughs> while he's sleeping. Ah, <sighs> man, there were some problems going on in that household. It's as if a sudden, it's as if a million voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly I, silenced. And and that was like all this stuff. It, I mean, it came out when I was like old enough that you can't keep me sheltered from the, you know, and oh, I'm yeah. just hearing this. It's like, what the heck? This is like something out of a movie. You know, I mean, like what? We did um, because I would have been would I have been eighth grade. I think I would have been in eighth grade not too long after this happened. And one of the things we could do in our shop class, he had the shop class where we could do woodworking and everything else, but he also had some technology. And, and we're talking like early '90s technology. So it was it was the old you know black and white computers. Um, yep. He had a dual tape deck, so we could pretend to do make our own radio show. He had a dual tape yep. deck and a couple yep. of microphones. Uh, which I blame for what we're doing right now. Um, I, that's right. And one of the, I remember one of the one of the gags we had on the show was it was supposed to be like a an all request 
radio station. And so we'd have mm-hmm. random people call in to request songs. And we loved to try to do our best celebrity impersonations. So we would constantly Uh-oh. have celebrities call into this show and make requests. And then we would have mm-hmm. uh, commercials. Um, you know, oh, we'd, we'd have commercial, like fake commercials for different things. And because this was kind of in a, a more rural community, a lot of the commercials tended to be on the, um, you know, farm supply and, and hardware store kind of a deal. And I remember yeah. one of the guys uh, made a fake commercial in which Lorena Bobbitt was uh, trying to advertise um, steel power tools and chainsaws. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. That that got a little – I mean, for us it was hilarious because we're eighth-grade boys. But, you know, I, listening back on it, there might be some problematic pieces to it. Once you once you get outside of that realm of eighth-grade boy, the humor, yeah. the humor just becomes – it's a fickle thing. Right. Right. And I, there were certain jokes that just didn't make the cut. Uh-huh. Thankfully. Mm-hmm. Cause then it would be out there. Mm, yeah. On the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, June 24th, 1993, uh, Yale university computer science professor, David Gellimet, Gellimter. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, his name looks like something out of, uh, is it Gelernter? I don't know. I don't can't even read my own typing. Um, He's one of the dwarfs that took off the took over the mystery mountain from the dragon. That's what I was thinking. I, that's mm-hmm. that's exactly what the name looked like. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, he is seriously injured after receiving a mail bomb sent by the Unabomber Theodore Kaczynski. Oh man! Okay. So that was also going on at the same time. Jeez. And then also in late June 93, Kim Campbell is sworn in as Canada's first female prime minister. Oh, wow. She served as the 19th prime minister of Canada from June 25th, 93 to November 4th, 93. Mm -hmm. So not a very Mm -hmm. long time. Mm -mm. Uh, Famous births on June 26th, 93, Ariana Grande was born. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now I'm feeling old. It's, it's, it's my favorite size to order when I go to Starbucks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, some famous deaths. So this will uh, this will kind of make you feel a little old. Um, we had a lot of famous deaths that happened in June of '93. Conway Twitty died on June 5th. Okay. Uh, he was a famous American country music singer. Ray Sharkey okay. uh, died June 11th, '93. He was an American actor best known for his role in the film The Idol Maker. Uh, for which he won a Golden okay. Globe. He died due to complications from AIDS. Uh, James Hunt died June 15th of 93. He was a British racing driver who won the Formula One World Championship in 1976. I, I was going to say that's, yes, man, James Hunt. Wow. I threw that one okay. in just for you. Yeah, I know, which I'm just going to say, I mean, one of the more colorful figures, and if anybody wants a good racing movie, check out Ron Howard's Rush. It, yes. uh sensationalizes that whole year that he won the title. Yeah. And they, they take some creative liberties um, in that movie, but overall they, I, I, you know, they, it's like any of the biopics we talk about, right? Like, oh, yeah. well, it didn't quite happen that way, but you know, he does a pretty darn good job of bringing that character to life and just kind of what racing at that time was like. And, yeah. you know, Anyways, yeah, James Hunt did a lot of announcing, racing driver, and then he also was um, big in, in, in announcing the races. Oh, cool. So nice. His uh, voice in many ways, when you watch the old 
races from the eighties and stuff like his voice kind of, you know, becomes kind of the voice of one of the voices you hear when you're watching those old F1 broadcasts. Nice. Uh, William Golding died June 19th. He was the British novelist best known for the book Lord of the Flies, uh, mm. which every, I'm sure every high school kid is eternally grateful for. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love the book, but I don't know that it's a perennial favorite of most high school kids. Yeah. Uh, I draw the, references to it. I feel like oh, if I walk out of the band room, sometimes it's going to turn into Lord of the Flies. Well, yeah. And then the kids all stare blankly at me and I go, oh, yeah, that's right. None of you guys can read. Just Look, find the two people that know how to read and have them tell you the story. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And then they're all like confused and roasted and then realize that anyways, love Lord of the Flies. Yeah, just rest a seashell in this corner of the classroom and see what they do with it. Yeah, God bless it, man. That's scary stuff. Uh, Roy Campanella died June 26. He was a famous American baseball player, primarily with the Brooklyn Dodgers. He was one of the mm -hmm. first African-Americans to play in Major League Baseball. Uh, and he passed away from heart failure on June 26 of 93. Okay. Top sports, June 14th, 93. The Chicago Bulls defeat the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals to win their third consecutive NBA title. Uh, that yep. would be the, the first of the three-peats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in hockey, on June 9th, 93, the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup Finals, beating the Los Angeles Kings four games to one. This was the 24th Stanley Cup win, the most in NHL history for the Canadiens. Top books were Bridges of Madison County. Top movies were Dave Sliver and Cliffhanger. And top song was still That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. All right. All right. Uh, the the regular structure of our show is we dive into this section we call Trivia Pursuits. We'll give you a little bit of background information on the movie itself, the cast, the crew, all that other fun stuff. And then uh, we're going to run through some other trivia for you. We'll have a synopsis of the movie. We'll go through, we'll kind of fly through the plot of the movie for you in case you haven't seen this one or haven't seen it in a while in our Major Moments segment. And then we go into our deeper thoughts and we... Maybe dig and stretch, just like an English teacher does when they mm -hmm. get you to read something. Um, and, and we'll look into the, the philosophical questions that we can ask about this one. And then we typically end everything off with our three questions segment. So, uh, so the trivia pursuits this time around. Again, this one is called Much Ado About Nothing, based on the Shakespeare play. Uh, came out on July 2nd, 1993, rated PG-13. It was run at one hour and 51 minutes. Directed by Kenneth Branagh, who also did Hamlet and the first Thor movie. Uh, writers were Kenneth Branagh, did the screenplay, and Billy Shakespeare, who did the play. Uh, he did, uh, Kenneth Branagh did Henry V and As You Like It. Producers were Kenneth Branagh, Stephen Evans, and David Parfit. Uh, they did Henry V, The Madness of King George. Composer was Patrick Doyle. He did Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and Brave. Cinematographer Doyle. was... What's that? I said Doyle. Doyle. Doyle rules. Uh, cinematographer was Roger Lancer, who did Napoleon uh, Dance and a TV series called Dance Academy. Editor was Andrew Marcus, who did The Queen and My Week with Marilyn. The production companies were the Samuel Golden Company and Renaissance Films. The budget was $11 million. The box office was $36 million worldwide. Uh, CinemaScore didn't have one for CinemaScore, but Flickmetrics gives this one a 74. 
Uh, <laughs> Kenneth Banner Branagh played Benedict. He was in Hamlet and Thor. Uh, Emma Thompson was Beatrice. She was in Sense and Sensibility and Love Actually. Keanu Reeves played Don John. He was in The Matrix and John Wick. Kate Beckinsale was Hero. She was in Underworld and Van Helsing. Richard Briers, who died in 2013, played Leonato. He was in Good Life, the TV series, and Watership Down, a TV miniseries. Robert Sean Leonard played Claudio. He was in Dead Poets Society and the TV series House, M.D. Denzel Washington played Don Pedro. He was in Training Day and Flight. Michael Keaton played Dogberry. He was in Beetlejuice and Batman. Imelda Staunton played Margaret. She was in Vera Drake and Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Brian Blessed played Antonio. He was in Flash Gordon, Tarzan, and uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Philida Law played Ursula. She was in The Time Machine and Emma. And Gerard Horan played Baraccio, uh, or Baraccio. He was in Beauty and the Beast and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein from 1994. All right, a couple of quick trivia things here for everybody. Uh, this is the actual theatrical movie debut of Kate Beckinsale. She shot this movie during her summer break from studying Russian and French uh, in Oxford, at, at New College, Oxford. Uh, it was her first on-screen kiss as well. Good for her. Um, the, during the Oscar season in early 94, the Samuel Goldwyn Company spent about $10 million campaigning for this movie to get some Oscar nominations. Um, despite it doing very well, the film received no Oscar nominations, um, so their effort, you could say, was much ado about nothing. Our, I see what you did there. Very well played. Is that kind of how the Oscar nominations go? You like curry favor, like Hunger Games style? Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, they spend a lot oh. of money on certain, like a- additional advertising, and they'll send, like I think they send stuff, like gift baskets and things like that to the different, uh, you know, members of the the nominating committee for that. And, yeah, it's it's a whole popularity contest mm-hmm. yeah interesting um so apparently there was a uh, 1967 version of this one um i believe uh robert stevens and dame maggie smith played the lead roles in the 67 version um but much like that one this movie cast a real life married couple in the lead so kenneth branagh sir kenneth branagh Apologies. Uh, Sir Kenneth Branagh and Dame Emma Thompson played the romantic leads in this, and they were married at the time. Awesome. Another little family connection here. This is basically like a Star Wars movie. Uh, Phyllida Mm -hmm. Law, who played Ursula, is the mother of Emma Thompson, and at the time of filming, she was the mother-in-law of Kenneth Branagh. Okay. How cool. Yeah. Uh, In an interview, Keanu Reeves shared that the actor Brian Blessed befriended him during filming and taught him how to meditate. Mm. Okay, that's awesome. Um, And Brian Blessed, I mentioned that he was in uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Do you know who he was? You know what? I don't. I don't. He was Boss Nass, the leader of the Gungans. Oh, okay. Jar Jar. Yusa Hissa Hida. Be gone with what, him. What? Uh, who did he play in this one now? Uh, he was, his character's name was, Ant, I think it was Antonio. Yeah, Antonio. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. He was the big, uh, he was the kind of the big heavier guy with the beard. Okay. No, I get you. Yeah. I get you. And I then, um, but he was in a lot of like he's in a lot of really good like older stuff too, like Flash Gordon, and and there were a bunch of other kind of older movies that uh, that he was in. But um, yeah, here's my struggle with this movie. And okay, I know our viewers. I know I'm a simpleton. There were so many characters and so many actors and so many. I really should have had the book out and like been following along because. I, I, I just struggled with keeping track of all the different actors and which who played where. Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry to admit that, but like, I really, we're getting ahead here, but I really want to rewatch this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just, there were so many good people in this. Oh yeah. And then looking at how young, much younger they were. Oh, they were this guy. Oh, they were in this. Oh, and I just didn't recognize them. That is Kenneth Branagh, and that's I love his his Shakespeare movies because he does a great job of bringing together a huge cast, like a, a star studded cast every single time. You know his yeah. his Hamlet, uh, his Othello, um, this one. I mean, any one of his movies that he puts together with Shakespeare, it's it's amazing. And there's another, and I think sometimes you know these these actors. Of course, a lot of these movie actors have also done stage, and I would imagine that just about any actor that's out there, you know, maybe especially the little bit older actors, you could just about guarantee that many of them have done Shakespeare at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's kind of one of those that, like, if you've done acting for even just a few years, you've probably done done some role in some production of Shakespeare somewhere. It's kind of like a feels like it might be a prerequisite. Um, so I remember. Mm-hmm. It was Joss Whedon after he made, or I believe it might have been kind of in between uh, filming stuff with the first Avengers movie. He came out with, was it, it might have been 2013. It might have been 10 years ago. Um, But while he was filming or just after filming the Avengers, he, I believe, was at his home uh, and just called up a bunch of his actor friends and said, hey, guys, um... I'm kind of wiped out from doing this like major Hollywood blockbuster uh, superhero movie. I want to just do something little and, and something that like you know, is not going to take a whole lot of craziness and a whole lot of whatever. Um, what if we just like all came over to my house and what if we filmed uh, much do about nothing? Like, do you guys remember it enough to like, what if, what if we did that? Like we, you know, we do a little bit of rehearsing and a little bit of whatever, but um, what if we just did that? So there is an outstanding uh, black and white. It's actually a black and white version. Um, He just got a bunch of people together. And I think there's a couple of people um, from Avengers that are actually in that. And he's like, I just need a little bit of like a palate cleanser. And maybe we could just film this in like, I don't know, a week or so uh, at my house. And uh, let's do much. Let's do uh, much ado about nothing. And it is, huh. it, it's an awesome version of the movie. It is, it's great. Cool. Very cool. So, so if you're checking, if you're going to watch this one again, even go check that one out too. Cause that one is also really okay. Cool. Duly noted. All right. Uh, that's all I've got in terms of trivia. So uh, here we, I'm sorry, Patrick, here we go again with the, the poetry as I provide a synopsis. It is time for poetry, John. And, and typically I would provide the synopsis in my best impersonation of Don LaFontaine, the uh, famous uh, movie trailer voiceover actor, but this time I'm, I'm going to do it a little differently. To quote Monty Python, and now for something completely different. 
In a world where laughter takes the ruse, Don Pedro's nobles in Messina muse. Claudio and Hero's love does entwine, beguiled by Don John's malevolent design. Amidst the chaos, a whimsical plot in the warring hearts of two is caught. Beatrice, Benedict, in a witty collision, find love amidst the grand deception. Honor and romance in the tale unfurled meet revelations in this joyous world. In much ado about nothing, love's sweet campaign awaits the joy of lover's sweet refrain. Forget everything you've ever known about adventure, romance, betrayal, and comedy, and discover it all over again. From Kenneth Branagh, the director of Henry V and Dead Again, William Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. All women shall pardon me. I will live a bachelor. A dear happiness to women. <laughs> She's the sweetest lady that ever I looked on. Can the world buy such a jewel? If thou dost love, fair hero, cherish it. She shall be thine. Shall I never see a bachelor of three score again? I wonder that you will still be talking, Signor Benedict. Nobody marks you. I cannot endure my lady tongue. I shall see thee ere I die look pale with love. my bad parts did thou first fall in love with me? For them all together. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, Academy Award winner Emma Thompson, Academy Award winner Denzel Washington, Keanu Reeves, Robert Sean Leonard, Michael Keaton, <laughs> and introducing Kate Beckinsale. The Samuel Goldwyn Company presents... Yay! Much Ado About Nothing, huh? the most romantic adventure of all. There's a double meaning in that. All right, so we have got some major moments. I've broken down the plot into 10 major moments to help us kind of walk through it all as a quick reminder. It's a quick reminder for us, quick reminder for you. If you haven't seen it, you may want to stop this, go watch it. Um, if you haven't seen this and you're, you're a little off-put because you're like, eh, it's Shakespeare. I'm not a huge fan of Shakespeare. I would argue, even though I am a huge fan of Shakespeare, so I'm a little biased, I would argue that I think that Kenneth Branagh's Shakespeare movies that he's directed, um, I think they are so accessible to anybody who is not a fan of Shakespeare, anybody who is not well-versed in Shakespeare, I feel like, and I think especially that's why some of these, uh, you know, that that's why this is what the teachers show in class after you've gotten done reading a Shakespeare play. 
you know, or if you're reading it in the middle of it and you want to show a couple of scenes here and there, I think just because of the way Kenneth Branagh handles these plays and handles the acting and the direction and everything else, I think it does, it makes it so accessible and so easy to pick up. Because oftentimes, if you don't know, if you don't understand the words and the phrases, you pick it up from the way, the the intonation of everything. You pick it up from the tone of voice. You pick it up from the body language, all of that. And I think the the actors are so expressive in these movies. It does a great job of you being able to figure out what's going on, even without knowing some of the Shakespearean lingo. Yes, John, I totally agree. And as a not expert in Shakespeare, and uh, it's not that I don't like it, but I'm just not as well versed in it. I completely agree. I completely agree. Everything you said, I agree with. That's refreshing. Um, so the major moments, uh, we've got 10 of them. And the first major moment, having just crushed an uprising by his half-brother Don John, Don Pedro of Aragon, and his noblemen visit their friend Leonato in Messina. Accompanying Don Pedro is the witty Benedict, a former acquaintance of Leonato's equally sharp-tongued niece Beatrice. Also present are Benedict's friend Claudio, a young count, and Don John, who is reconciled with his brother despite his rebellion. Um, Although things don't necessarily go well, otherwise there wouldn't be much of a play uh, or movie. Since before he went to war, Claudio has been thinking of Leonardo's beautiful daughter, Hero, and has returned to find her as attractive as ever. After learning of his friend's feelings, Don Pedro decides to act on his behalf and arranges the match at a party. Um, an unrepentant Don John does attempt to foil this plot, but unsuccessfully, and the match is made. Needing something to kind of pass the time until the wedding, Don Pedro decides that he's going to arrange a similar fate for Beatrice and Benedict, who seemingly hate each other. And we get some fun scenes there where they're, they're you know, doing their back and forth of insults and sarcasm. And it's just, it's fun to watch Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh go back and forth with each other. Yeah, those, it, yes, yes. Everywhere you watch in this, and I, I know you're see, speaking specifically about them, but everything you watch in this movie, it's just it's so entertaining. Mm-hmm. Hearing them speak, hearing them bring to life this story. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so there's a funny scene where Don Pedro, Leonardo, and Claudio stage a conversation containing a false account of how much Beatrice loves Benedict <laughs> while knowing that he is hiding just within earshot. Um, Hero and her gentlewoman Ursula and Margaret play the same trick on Beatrice, and each of them believes the story that they are hearing about the other, and they start to... Uh, privately recant of some of the things that they had said about the other person uh, between Beatrice and Benedict. Um, Amidst all this good-natured scheming, Don John has been searching for some ways to stop the marriage between Claudio and Hero because, uh, sure, why not? Uh, So the night before the wedding, Don John's servant, Baracchio, arranges a steamy liaison, hey, nani nani, uh, with Hero's gentlewoman, Margaret, at Hero's chamber window. Don John shows Don Pedro and Claudio this, and they believe that they are watching Hero spending the evening with him. And that's where everything starts to fall apart. No problematic. A little problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I mean, there's, there's a party going on and everything else. Um, and uh, as this is all going on, the very um, uh, upright and loyal uh, the character of Dogberry, who's played by Michael Keaton in a really fun role. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. But he's also very incompetent. Uh, he's mm-hmm. um, he's kind of like a constable. 
Um, he's like if Odo was an idiot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he appoints a watch to keep the peace while the whole partying is going on. And the uh, three fairly hapless watchmen uh, end up overhearing. Uh, there, there's this whole routine that is, is basically kind of a, um, you stay here and don't let mm-hmm. him leave. All right, all right. So we're going to go with you. No, 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 no. You stay here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to stay here. We're going to stay here. Okay, great. You stay here. Where are you going? We're coming with you. No, 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 no. Um, very similar. Um, yes. But they overhear Baracchio bragging to his friend about how he and Don John had succeeded in stopping this wedding. Uh, they apprehend him and one of his buddies, and in the morning, Dogberry kind of attempts to have Leonardo interrogate the prisoners, um, but Leonardo is kind of in a hurry, and he can't really figure out what Dogberry is trying to tell him, so he's not fully paying attention. Uh, mm-hmm. We get to the day of the wedding, and what an awkward wedding this is. Yeah. And Claudio yeah. chooses to publicly disgrace his would-be bride and then storms yeah. away along with most of the guests, um, Ursula the Friar, Leonardo, Beatrice, Antonio, and Benedict. Uh, Benedict stay around. Um, they pretty much all agree because, you know, let's not have a conversation. It's Shakespeare. Let's hatch some really convoluted plot uh, that fakes somebody's death and, and does something else to, um, you know, try to fix the whole situation. And uh, basically, the friar's plan is to publish the story that Hero has suddenly died upon the grief of these accusations. Um, Beatrice and Benedict kind of stick around a little bit, and they confess their love to each other in this scene, even though they were you know, trying to kind of keep it secret from each other. Um, and then that's where they start to fall for each other a little bit more. Um, kind of as this declaration occurs, Beatrice asks Benedict to do the one thing that will satisfy her outrage with what has just happened. She wants him to kill Claudio. Um, yeah. So with, with a very heavy heart, he does agree to challenge his friend. Um, in the meantime, Baracchio is interrogated by Dogberry and his men, and amidst the confusion, Don John is able to escape. Uh, despite Dogberry's incompetence, the truth of Don John's sinister plot is revealed to everybody. Mm-hmm. After Benedict's challenge to Claudio, Leonardo is aware of what happened. Leonardo continues to pretend to Claudio that Hero has died. Claudio entreats him to impose whatever vengeance he sees fit for Claudio's part in Hero's disgrace mm-hmm. and death. Leonardo then forgives him on the condition that he publicly declares his wrongdoing and then marries Hero's cousin, his brother Antonio's daughter, the next morning. Uh, the, okay. you know, she, she supposedly looks very much like hero. Um, so as long as you tell everybody that, yes, you, you did wrong and you know, only the penitent man shall marry. Um, and you have to marry, you know, her, her cousin who looks basically exactly like her. So you shouldn't notice a difference. Uh, he then does agree and then carries this out by, uh, going to hero's tomb and, kind of uh, reciting something that he has has prepared. Um, When the bride is brought forth the next day, she is revealed to be none other than Hero herself. So she and Claudio profess their true undying love for each other, as do Beatrice and Benedict, who agree to marry. Benedict renounces his challenge against Claudio and embraces him. Moments later, Don John is marched in, having been captured before he could escape. Um, Benedict advises, advises Don Pedro to forget about him until tomorrow after the wedding, and then everybody begins to dance. The two happy couples are in the middle, and Don Pedro remains behind, still single, but happy for his friends. That is the plot. 
Hey Nani Nani. Hey Nani Nani. All right, Pat. Let's let's have some deep thoughts about this one. I'd like to go deeper, John. And now, deep thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's it's very deep. Thank you. All right. Uh, Pat, when was the first time you saw this movie? Uh, Like a day ago. You know, when I watched it for the pod. Okay. This was not one when you were in high school or, or, uh, you know, in any classes or anything like that. This isn't one where the teacher was like, okay, we've read this. Now we're going to, everybody sit here for the next three days and we're going to watch the movie. I no no okay. I try to think of what Shakespeare I read as part of school. Now I did see Hamlet, Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Oh, that is a great one. Yeah, it is. And I, did I watch that in school, or did we just watch that? You know, friends. I to be honest, it's all jumbling together. I sure. mean, I remember there were a couple of of plays that I read, um, but uh, yeah, this was the first time I saw this one. That is his Hamlet is outstanding. Yeah, you've got. Um, I mean, he's obviously he plays Hamlet. Um, Kate Winslet is Ophelia. Um, you've got Richard Attenborough's in it. You've got Billy Crystal is in it. Um, Judy Dench, Gerard Depardieu. Um, gosh, I feel like who? Oh man. Was I was trying to think, um, maybe it's just Billy Crystal. I, for some reason, I want to say Robin Williams was in one of these. Okay. It's, it's not that one. I don't think he's in that one. No, I don't think he's in that one. I, anyway, um, Brian Blessed, the one that plays Antonio in this, plays the ghost of Hamlet's father in that one. Okay. Uh, Derek Jacoby um, plays a part in that one, too. And he was, I mean, he's he's been a lot of Shakespearean stuff. When we first move over to England... We went and saw, we actually went to Stratford-upon-Avon, and we saw a play in Shakespeare's hometown, and we, uh, I want to say it was Macbeth, and Derek Jacoby was, I don't remember if he played Macbeth or if he was playing a different part, but he was in the play. Okay. And I I remember being like, you know, I, I, my dad told me about him at this point. I hadn't seen this movie because it hadn't come out yet, Um, but I remember my dad telling me, like, yeah, this guy's a real big Shakespeare, Shakespearean actor. Um, and then I remember seeing a bunch of stuff afterwards and I was like, Oh, that's the guy that we saw when we went to go see that play in England. Um, you know, cool. for, for years after you'd see him in all kinds of stuff, he was in, you know, this movie, he was in gladiator. He was in all kinds of stuff. Cool. So that was, that was very cool. Yeah. Um, nice, man. So this one, I mean, I saw this one, The Much Do About Nothing. I probably saw this not too long after it came out. Um, I don't okay. recall seeing it in the theater, but, I mean, my my dad, I mean, we love Shakespeare, and we would have been living in England at the time that this had come out. And um, so if we didn't see it while we were there, then I probably saw it not too long after, uh, you know, we had moved back over here. And definitely, um, you know, I think we watched this one in my freshman English class in high school, and I've, okay. seen it, I've seen it a couple times since then, too. So I, I really enjoy the Kenneth Branagh Shakespeare movies. So this is one I've uh, seen. I, I've easily seen this one six or seven times. Got it. Got it. 
So what is it? We already kind of started to talk about this a little bit. What is it that works in this movie for you? Having only seen it about a day ago, um, what is it that this movie does really well? Well, you know what? I think it it has star power of, you know, talented, talented, excuse me, talented, talented actors and actresses um, that really help bring it to life for all the things that you said, they just seem to do it so well. I mean, um, it's just, they obviously Shakespearean dialogue is different than other English uh, in, in, in the vernacular, you know what I'm saying? But they bring it to life and just emote so much while doing it. Um, Denzel Washington is just amazing. And what I can't get over is that this is what his third movie that came out this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like third, like blockbuster type movie that came out, which I don't know if this is technically a blockbuster, but like a big movie. It's not like he's doing these bit independent kind of things. You know what I mean? Um, so he's amazing. Uh, Michael Keaton is awesome. I just, that's kind of what does it is just how, I mean, I've got no new ideas over here. Just what you described. The fact that they can make Shakespeare come to life and seem like living, breathing art, you know, it's, uh, that's really what works. It's, I I mean, I feel like, and we've already kind of like what you just said and, and what we were talking about a little bit earlier is it really, it really does make the play come to life. You know, I've seen this play performed, um, in a, in several different ways. And, and this is no mm-hmm. knock on the, on the people who do the stage plays, but there's just something about, and I think what Kenneth Branagh does so well is to make these feel very relevant and alive. Um, yes. you know, I will say the best productions of Shakespeare that I've, that I've seen do exactly that. The one I saw, the one I was just talking about, the one I, the Macbeth, that we saw in Stratford, England, um, was amazing. Like the the yeah. the stage production for when the uh, the witches came out and there was you know smoke everywhere and it was dark and creepy and um, you know that. And then there was a uh, I think we saw a production. I don't know if you ever went to any of those because um, it was usually more the eighth grade class that went. And I know sometimes you'd come with us on seventh grade field trips. Um, but when the eighth grade would go to the Navy Pier Shakespeare, did you ever go to any of those? I don't think I did. Okay. Maybe, maybe like way back in the day I did, but there were some really good, we saw one that was uh, Romeo and Juliet that was there and they really kind of played up the, almost like the, the rival gang um, kind of part of the story with the, the Montagues and the Capulets and um, you know, the, the actors all had uh, like these tribal tattoos on their arms and they would, uh, when they'd stand up to talk, they'd like hold up their arm to make sure that you knew, you know, this one was a Montague because look at his tattoo that's on his arm and this one's a Capulet. So, you know, so, and like you were saying, sometimes you lose track of who the characters are unless there's some visual way or, or some way to remind you, oh yeah, this is that guy, or at least this guy is on this side. Um, you know, this is one of the quote unquote bad guys and this is one of the quote unquote good guys. Um you know, that was a great way of kind of bringing that to life. But I think one of the things Kenneth Branagh does so well, and this one in several rankings that I was able to find online, this one pretty much always is ranked number one out of his Shakespeare movies mm-hmm. um, because it just does such a great job 
of even if you can't understand a third of what they're saying because you're not familiar with Shakespeare, you can still understand what what parts are funny and what parts you should laugh at because uh, because of the way that they're contorting their faces or the way that they're you know the right. physical comedy or the the body language or the all the different pieces to it. Um, yeah. You know when you're supposed to laugh. Uh, you know when you're supposed to be upset. You know all of these different things because the actors do such a great job of making it seem so relevant and so living that it's not a stuffy stage play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this one in particular, yes. like he, he does that with all of his movies, but this one I think does it at a level that's just different than the others. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And I was just looking at something real quick. Uh, Robin Williams is actually in Hamlet, so I was not wrong. Okay, there you go. I can't tell yeah. you. I can't tell you off the top of my head uh, who, uh, what part he plays, but I remember him being in there, so I was not wrong. I thought you were going to tell me. I can't tell you off the top of my head the last time I was wrong, but I know that I'm not. In this, you know. <laughs> oh no, I can tell you that. <laughs> it was. Uh, I don't know. Probably like 20 minutes ago. When you thought you made a mistake. If, no, I make mistakes all the time, Pat. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. the time. Um, right, yeah, no, I, I love this movie. I love this movie. Yes. So one of the, one of the things that, and I know we talk about this sometimes we talk about, um, watching, and this one's a little different because this story is, you know, 400 years old. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes we talk about watching movies like animal house or blues brothers, or, you know, something that has, some comedy in it that maybe does not age well from the 1970s to now, or, you know, within the last 40, 50 years, whatever, some comedy that maybe, maybe didn't age quite so well, or in 2023 as an audience, we might look at that and go, um, yeah. So this time watching it this time around, I, I had some interesting reactions to it, like especially the scenes where, you know, they're, they're grabbing Hero by the hair and dragging her around and throwing her around and, you know, just all of the all of the insinuation. And this happens all the time in Shakespeare, so it's not like it's, you know, it's not just this one and it's not, um, it's, it's not something that, you know, is, is rare uh, in, in the time and in all that. Um, but some really interesting things. Like I was thinking about, man, the, the way that Hero is treated in this is just absolutely terrible. And I, a, a modern audience um, would, uh, I, I always hate to use the phrase because I don't like it, uh, I feel like a modern audience would cancel Shakespeare uh, mm-hmm. because of the way, you know, Hero is treated in this and, the you know, the way some of these things come about in the circumstances. Yeah. Um, I, that would happen in, in, I think, a lot of Shakespeare's plays if, if people were like, oh, my God, this is, this is terrible, this is reprehensible we we nobody can read this ever again i could see that happening while at the same yeah. time you have some of the stuff that beatrice says is like 400 years ahead of its time in terms mm-hmm. of like you know the the rights and the um you know the openness of women you know what they should be able to say and what they should be able to do and some of the things she kind of laments so it's kind of funny in that way. Like there's some stuff I look at it and I go, yikes, a, a modern audience, maybe if this is their first exposure to Shakespeare is going to be like, 
this is terrible. Like this is, if this was made, you know, two years ago, we, we would have thrown this out and nobody would ever watch it again. But there's other parts of it that is like, man, it, that stuff Beatrice says is hundred year, hundreds of years ahead of when it's actually going to, you know, take effect. Right. Right. Interesting. I, I hear what you're saying. It's interesting, the dichotomy. So, Pat, I, I have a philosophical question for you that is related to this movie. Um, yes. There seems to be a very thin line between love and hate. <laughs> Do you agree with that? Like, because there are moments where, I mean, you have Claudio and Hero, who it could be argued it's it's a very superficial, like they don't seem to know each other for very long. And, you know, most of his stuff is based off of, well, she looks real pretty. Um Right. Kind of stuff. And even then when he is going to marry her quote unquote cousin, um, well, she's real pretty too. Um, and that's the first thing they say is, Oh, don't worry. She looks exactly like her cousin. So you'll be fine. Like it, it won't really make that much of a difference to you. Um, I would be horrified if somebody said that to me. I'm like, well, that that's not like the main, <laughs> just because the person looks like the other person doesn't mean they are the other person. So yeah, that does actually make kind of a difference. Um, so you have the two of them. They love each other very, very much, very quickly, and it quickly turns to hate on Claudio's part because of some mm-hmm. misinformation. Um, and then the opposite happens for Beatrice and Benedict. They hate each other at the beginning of this movie, and that pretty quickly turns to love. Yes. What think you, Patrick? I... I, I it... Mm-hmm. I think it's good for the show. I'll put it that way. Right. Like, I I don't think this is supposed to be like accurately portraying what things are like in real life. I mean, if it is supposed to be a comedy, then the people are going to act in comedic ways. And so I think those things happening is good for the show. Yeah. Um, Do you enjoy this kind of story where, cause it's, I mean, this is a Shakespeare thing, but there have been plenty of other movies that have, you know, kind of some of the tropes they do, the, you know, let's hatch a plot to get, you know, these two people together, or let's, mm-hmm. you know, we need to hatch a plot to fix this particular relationship or whatever the case might be. Um, does that type of story or movie work for you, or is that something that you're like, eh, I can take it or leave it? I, you know, I mean, hatching a plot is exciting, but, I mean, if it's hatching a plot to get two people together, Take it or leave it sounds too harsh. I don't know that I would search it out, but if someone else did, then I would be fine with all that. Yeah. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. Like I I if I saw that, I might be kind of like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, hey, this was on the list for the podcast, so I'll check it out. This was a great movie. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Yeah. So I I, I just I think that's where might not be my favorite type of thing but when it's so well done and well executed and i'm repeating myself but you get the idea it it, i love it yeah yeah i thought um i thought kind of a fun you know similar one i mean and the reasons it's similar is because obviously it's it's meant to be a little bit of a uh a parody of that is the shakespeare in love movie that came out in the late 90s um, yes, where they took some of these different tropes and they, you know, they played it up for comedy and parody. And, 
Um, you know, I thought that it did that very well, but, um, you know, you've got some modern stories, I think, that are the same way. I, I feel like, uh, um, what's the Julia Roberts one? My Best Friend's Wedding, I feel like, has mm-hmm. a little bit of a feel of that type of thing. Like, you know, hatching a plot to, you know, hey, if we're not married by the time we're this age, then let's get married to each other. And then all of a sudden, right. the person falls in love just on the eve of that. And, uh, you know, hijinks ensue and you know, yeah. all, that, all that type of stuff. Yeah. 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 It works. I mean, like I said, if it's well done, I like it. Yeah. All right. Patrick, do you have anything else about this? Anything else you want to say? Is there anything that doesn't work about this movie? Is there anything that you're like, I could have done without that? I got nothing, man. I got nothing. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't checked it out, check this one out. I mean, there are so many good, um, so many good Shakespeare movies out there and, and some of them even not done by Kenneth Branagh. Um, you know, there are, what is it? There was one early two thousands. I don't remember exactly when, uh, they did a merchant of Venice and I want to say, I was Jeremy Irons in that. I know Al Pacino was, you know, Al Pacino played, uh, Al Pacino played Shylock in that one. And it was, it was so good. Like that was such a good, that was not, I don't believe that was a Kenneth Branagh, um, version of it, but it was, it was a fun movie version of that. And uh, Al Pacino was great in it. Um, yeah. Uh, Joseph Fiennes was in that Al Pacino, um, Jeremy Irons was in it. Um, yeah, just a, a ton of great actors in that one. So that was another good one too. But yeah, I mean, Kenneth Branagh, you really can't go wrong with most of no. his, most of his Shakespeare movies. He's got the touch. Yeah. All right. Uh, Pat, I would like to ask you thrice questions. Would that be okay? I would like to answer your thrice of questions. Here we go. He asks each traveler five questions, three questions, three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Patrick, I thrice presented you with a question, and thrice you refused. <laughs> I should have had that sound drop. I should have done like a Shakespearean version of, Pat just rejected your question. I have thrice refused your query, sir. Yes. yes. All right. Three questions. Uh, the first of our three questions is, what is your favorite Shakespeare play? You know, I think Julius Caesar is. Uh, I was always, I, I always love, you know, ancient Rome and all that. So I think I kind of naturally went to Julius Caesar. But I, here's the funny thing. I, I kind of like the happy endings. And okay. usually the Shakespearean dramas, is, is it Shakespearean dramas? What is it called? What is It's the comedies and the... What are his serious ones called? What was it? Tragedies. Tragedies. That's right. So I, I kind of like, 
I want him to succeed. I want the good guys to win and so on and so forth. But I, I think Julius Caesar has always been my, the one that I put up as a favorite. Well, you know, if you, Pat, if you had some free time and, and you wanted to create a comedy version of Julius Caesar, I'm sure you could take a stab at it. I'm sure I could. I'm sure that people would be very happy to help me out by providing their, you know, thoughts on Julius Caesar, the comedy. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. And then everybody takes off their ears and hands it to him. Yep, 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 yep. Pat, I think you've got some great ideas. I think this is a, a marketable thing. And, um, you know, if, if you're not doing anything this summer, I, I think you should uh, I think you should give it a try. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Don't call us. We'll call you type of deal. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, there's there's kind of a writer's strike thing going on right now. So you hey. might not get too many people calling you, but. Yeah, I could. Man, I could fire that up. Uh-huh. Um, I will say one of my, I mean. I love so many of them. Um, I love Hamlet. I love Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say because it also may be one of my favorite movie versions of a Shakespeare play. I think I'm going to say okay. Othello. All right. So if you have not had a chance to see um, Kenneth Branagh's version of Othello, Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's definitely one that you have got to watch. Put it on the list. It, put it on the list because it is it is outstanding. Um, awesome. It is. You've got uh, Lawrence Fishburne plays Othello. Uh, okay. Kenneth Branagh plays Iago, the villain. Okay. And then you just you have a bunch of other great actors. I mean, not not a ton that you might recognize. Uh, you might look at him and say, oh, yeah, I think I've seen that person in, in that other thing. Um, but, um, yeah, it's the two of them in particular, Lawrence Fishburne and Kenneth Branagh, do such a great job of this. And I I think you could – some people could argue that Iago, um, the villain in this one, is possibly one of Shakespeare's best villains. I know he's, he's probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite villains in all of Shakespeare – and I've cool. even heard some people argue they're like, yeah, he's one of the greatest literary villains of all time, like not just Shakespeare. Um, That's awesome. He's a he's a nasty dude, um, and yeah. it's very similar. Like some of the some of the steps, some of the beats in Othello are very similar to Much Ado About Nothing, but it's very much not a comedy. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So no, it's it's a really good one. So, so I'm going to say maybe that's my favorite Shakespeare play and also one of my favorite Shakespeare movies. Very cool. Uh, question number two, what is your favorite actor in a Shakespearean film? Okay, I need some clarification for this. Yeah. Favorite actor in a Shakespearean film or favorite actor that's done Shakespeare that's also in a film? Um, I would say favorite actor in a Shakespearean film. Mm. I don't know. What are you going to say to this? I think I'm going to say Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Like he does such a great job in all these movies, all the different parts that he plays. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think I got to go with him. Nice. Awesome. But Lawrence Fishburne is great, Uh. you know, in, in Othello. And um, I mean, obviously you've got, 
I mean, you have a ton of of other folks. You know, you've got all the, you know, Michael Keaton in this one. You've got uh, Billy mm-hmm. Crystal in the other one. You've got Derek Jacoby. You've got, um, I'm, I'm even just blanking out on half the people that are in Henry V and As You Like It and all those other ones. But um, uh, it, was, it was funny. Um, in the Joss Whedon version of Much Do About Nothing, um, I think it's Nathan Fillion from Firefly. Okay. Uh, I think he plays Dogberry. He plays Michael Keaton's part. Oh, fun. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, Clark Gregg um, plays Leonardo. You know, uh, the, okay. the agent. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. agent. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I give it all those. I I think I got to go Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. I I hear you. Do you feel like you haven't that seen enough a, Shakespeare movies to be able to answer the question? I do, but I, I man, how do I pick one? You know, Kenneth Branagh, I might just have to do a daily double. Yeah. Denzel Washington was incredible in this. Yes. Michael Keaton was incredible. I but maybe I'll just do the daily doubles. Just just for sure. sheer volume of work and kind of like dedication to the cause where he's not only filming them, he's like directing them, yeah. you know? So Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Did you, speaking of Kenneth Branagh, did you ever get a chance to see, um, Oh, why am I blanking out on the name? Belfast? I have not yet. You have not. Okay. It's, it's good. I got to see Belfast and I got to see the ghosts of Inishirin. Yes. That one was good too. Okay. It got very, very weird and quirky, but it was good. Right. And so I, um, there's a whole slate of movies that are in centered around Ireland that are on my list. Sorry. I kind of took that one on a tangent. No, no. Yeah, no, you, you, you've got some good stuff on your list. Yes. The list is long and distinguished. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number three. The phrase much ado about nothing means making a big deal out of something that's pretty much unimportant. Uh, what is something that you're likely to make much ado about nothing? Uh, what do I get? Like, you know what? I, I, I suppose it's the neat freak kind of thing. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I like all my stuff put away, put away when I'm done for the day, just, mm-hmm start fresh tomorrow. Everything's in its spot. I kind of, that's what I like. I am not a fan of, I've probably mentioned this before. I'm not a fan of in my head when I'm working on something, um, especially if it's not necessarily something I want to be doing in the first place. Um, I have a picture in my head of, yes, once I reach this point, I'm done. And then Mm -hmm. to suddenly find out, Oh no, 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 you're, you're not done. There are, three other things that you need to do related to this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of turn into a giant toddler when that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't I respond well to that. I'm like, no, no, no. I thought I was done. I don't, I don't, I don't need to know that there's more that has to happen here. I, this was, this was my vision of completion and I've, mm-hmm. I've completed it and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to do anymore. Right. Right. Uh, that and, um, 
loud ringtones in public. Ah, uh, yes. Or or public phone conversations on on like a train. Yes. Or, yes. Yeah. It's just it's awkward and unnecessary. Loud talking. Yeah. In a public space, that's yeah. Yeah, you don't all want to hear your conversation. No, not really. I mean, I'm not sure your cousin would want us to know everything that's going on with them medically. Yes, exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Patrick, I think that's going to do it for three questions. That's going to do it for this episode, too. Yes. Yes, John. I think I think we're good. I think we've done good work here. We have. We've done the Lord's work, Patrick. We have um, done, Yes. And if you have not gone to 30podcast.com or if you haven't checked us out uh, on the social medias at 30podcast, go do that because we are pretty much all over the place. Um, but check out our website. You can find all of our past episodes there. You can join us on Patreon. we got a lot of bon- uh, bunch of bonus episodes. Uh, Boco, I think the kids call it nowadays, um, for the bonus content. So uh, head on over there to Patreon and join us there where you can get some bonus episodes each and every month. We've got at least three bonus episodes that come out, two short ones and one full-length one. This month, we've got our Patreon episode is Disney's Robin Hood from 1973. Um, That is a fun one. And then we've got two Patreon shorts, Flashdance from 1983 and The Flash from 2023. And then for the rest cool. of this month, we have, well, this was our first week of the month, but then for the rest of this month, it is the From Page to Screen month. We will be looking at the Pelican Brief, Shortcuts, and The Firm. Awesome. And then if you come on back here in July, that is our Fun and Games month. Uh, our Patreon is From Here to Eternity from 1953. Our Patreon shorts are War Games from 1983 and Westworld from 1973. And then our mm-hmm. regular episodes are Cool Runnings, the Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, and Rudy. Okay. Oh, wow. So there cool. will be some, some good, good stuff in July. Um, Patrick, you know what I realized? I was also, when I was also kind of looking over our schedule the other day, and I was kind of mapping out the rest of the year and, you know, where yeah. all the episodes would go and everything else. Um, you know what I discovered? Hmm. We are going to have a very, very special, uh, it, it's going to be a, a slight uh, pre-Christmas gift or uh if you don't celebrate christmas oh. uh pre-festivus gift for everyone um, okay probably the second week in december will be unless okay. unless some things change here and there the second week in december will be our 500th episode mm. where has that time gone so we are, we are looking ahead to do some fun stuff for that one so uh 500th episode coming up in december of this year set your Set, Set your, your coordinates for flux capacitors time to fluxing and I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Whatever you want to set, go ahead and set it. Yes. Set your volleyballs and I don't know. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so again, thank you everybody for being here. Thank you, for Pat, for being here and tolerating my bad poetry. John, I love your poetry. Don't talk yourself down, man. Okay. Great job. Uh, well, since you said that, uh, then I, I feel fairly confident in um, maybe finishing off with uh, a little bit of poetry here as well. So, Finishing off, John, here's me saying to the audience, good night, love you guys, awesome. John, take it away. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, to one another, 
be true and Bonnie and watch some movies with a hey, Nani Nani.